mean, you know, th- there is a saying, you leave a Marine in a room with a ball bearing and leave him there for a couple of months and you come back, he's either going to be lost, broken, or pregnant. Hey guys, this is Hard Time Strongman Podcast, and today we're joined by our guest, Critter. Critter, how are you doing, man? Doing good, man. Cool. Well, you know, we've we've talked for, you know, well, months now. Hell, like before, either before or just after Christmas, we started talking, trying to mm-hmm. get you on the show. Um, but, I mean, you know our you know our mission set, or our, our, our goal, mm-hmm. rather, yeah. to tramp a bear class of man. We're trying to raise the standard of everybody, and, you know, that is a a very large task and it covers a bunch of different skill sets and just seeing what you put out on IG is, I think really, uh, it makes the whole, the whole thought, at least the whole concept really doable. You know, you, you, you give off your information in a really down to earth way. And I think that that's a lot of, uh, a lot of what people are lacking and what, you, what people could use. So, yeah, like when I first started the page, like it was, I was just throwing stuff out there and, it didn't really do too well, and then, like I kind of went away from doing engineer stuff, started doing kind of more homestead stuff, and then I can't remember what made me do. It. I think I saw like Risky Crisky or something post something. He mentioned something about engineers. I was like, I need to get back into this. I got back into it. I started going back over the stuff I posted. I was like, man, this is like, yeah, if you really read into it, you can get some information out of it, but it's not presented in a good way. So I started going back and like redoing and starting from scratch, and even just doing something as simple as PowerPoint made it a lot easier to process and understand what was going on. So that's what most of my newer posts have been. Like I just go through PowerPoint, I throw a couple of pictures to get your attention, and then like but uh, and try to keep it short, uh, sweet, and to the point. And I, that's it's done a lot better, gotten a lot more responses from uh, off of that than what. I was previously doing was like, hey, here's a screenshot of FM five tac thirty four. Read this, right? And yeah, I did this a little bit out of order, but your your IG tag is critter one three seven one. You mm-hmm. are a former combat engineer. Do you want yes. to go into your background a little bit and what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, joined the Marine Corps right out of high school because I really like. We didn't have a whole lot of money. I knew mom and dad couldn't pay pay for college. I wouldn't get no scholarship, so I had. It had to do something to advance my life, so that's what I went with. Cool. I did. I was a combat engineer for eight years. I had one deployment in Afghanistan during that time, um, which ironically was with the MU. I don't know if you would know what the MU is with. It's the Marine Expeditionary Unit. That's where we go out and get on boats and go oh, float yeah, around. Right. Yeah, we were. Sp- I was supposed to go on a Mediterranean booze cruise, is what we called it. We're supposed to go up, and hit up Rome, Greece, Spain, Italy, and all that. Yeah, we go up and. And they're like, yeah, by the way, uh, we're not doing that no more. We're getting on a plane and flying to Afghanistan for eight months. That's just rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, But it was my only time going to Afghanistan, so, you know, there's that. And uh, then I got, got out, got married, went to Okinawa, Japan, was there for three years, and then went to Pendleton for a couple of years, and then I was like, ah, I'm kind of done with this, and got out. I know a lot of people look at, oh, man, eight years, you should have just stayed in. And I was like, no, I could, I could sense culture changing and – a bunch of other stuff changed, and I was like, this is just not for me. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But uh, so I went ahead and got out, and I did a bunch of, like, general education stuff in school for a while, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, ended up getting into, like, some industrial maintenance stuff, and I work in a uh, factory now. 
I don't want to say what kind of factory it is because if it if it was and you knew you pay any attention to my Instagram channel, you know exactly who I work for. But I do uh, work in a factory uh, doing maintenance on the machines that actually build stuff. That's the only job that I've had where I haven't had a day where I just wake up dreading going to work. So I, I'm really That's happy, awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It always keeps me on my toes. There's always cool. something new. Always something different breaks every day that I have to fix. This is never the same thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, glass half full, right? That's not too bad. Yeah, so it, I'm pretty happy where I'm at as far as that goes. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much the short and sweet of it. Cool. I mean, I remember when I first, you know, really dug into your content was your your Minuteman engineer posts. Mm-hmm. I remember reading those headers, and I was like, oh man, I need to get into this a little bit. And <laughs> you know, you're going through barriers water crossings all sorts of stuff i was like oh man this is cool i think think that's when i messaged you but um could you can you tell people who aren't really pretty because i've worked with engineers before obviously in the army but what is a combat engineer what does a combat engineer do combat engineers are pretty much the jack jack of all trades for uh for for the military we do all kinds of stuff i'm not sure how the army breaks it down like, cause you know, like I know with army, y'all got 11 Bravo. If you're infantry, you're just 11 Bravo. We're like Marine Corps is like, Hey, we got 0311. That's the rifle man right. or 0331 is the machine gunner, blah, 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 blah. So for Marine Corps, we have 1371s. That's where the, that's where the 1371 comes from my name. That's the MOS designation for a combat engineer. Um, combat engineers are responsible for all kinds of construction, like wood frame construction, concrete construction, concrete block construction, uh, if you can name it, we pretty much build it. Um, okay. Uh, the obstacles, wire obstacles, uh, cutting down trees, um, demolitions, uh, pay, or, uh, classifying roads, making roads, all that kind of stuff. But then we also have our electricians that will be, there will be like 1171s, I think, some electrician. Maybe that's a water dog. I can't remember. But yeah, we have like water purification specialists, electricians, uh, generator mechs, heavy equipment operators, uh, heavy equipment mechs. All those all go into like an engineer company or engineer platoon. But I specifically go off into the combat engineer stuff. But we have like engineer recon. That's like look uh, inspecting bridges or uh, looking at a bridge to blow up or how uh, evaluating roads, mobility. Uh, clearing obstacles, counter mobility, putting in obstacles, mines, and all that good stuff. Survivability, it's like fighting positions, bunkers, uh, or just amenities. To like we're like one of the things we had to do when we was Afga- uh, in Afghanistan was <coughs> build some burnout crappers for them to for the uh, grunts out at uh, Fob Dwyer to poop in and burn in. You know, just stuff to make life a little bit better sometimes. And then, yep. uh, of course, the, the fun stuff that everybody wants to talk about is uh, demolition, which is blowing stuff up. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So pretty much our entire, I guess, environment or lives in, in Western culture then, what you guys have a hand in. Yeah, and, and it's kind of, uh, I uh, meant to mention this a little bit, in a bunch of the European militaries, they'll call us pioneers instead of engineers, and which oh. is kind of funny because we have uh, one of the toolkits that engineers have is a, is, we call it a pioneer kit, and that's where like, you're going through clearing out brush and doing a bunch of stuff like that. I just thought that was neat. I was going to say, we were mechanized and we had a little pioneer kit and it was on the side of our vehicles. It was like a pickaxe, a shovel, 
yeah, same kind of same kind of idea. Just clearing out or you know building up whatever you need for the vehicle. That's a lot, man. So <laughs> yeah, you say, that's so, what I'm saying. Like we we are a jack of all trades. Like if you talk to like the Navy, they have their CBs and like, but they are uber specialized. Like if they're if they do concrete block, that's all they do, and they've got a basically a college degree in it. Wow. Like don't ask okay. them about you know building a wood a wood a wood frame construction building over here. They only do concrete block. Or don't t- ask them how to pour a slab. They only do concrete block. Okay. Uh, whereas, whereas, like, we don't know as much as they do in that one specific thing. We know enough everything. to, we have to know enough to at least get the job done. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So what kind of, how long is your schooling going into that? Uh, it is, I want to say it's about two months. I, I, ooh, it's been so long since I've been in uh, MOS school, bro. Let me check real quick. I can do a quick fund. I was going to say, I didn't mean to date you, man. <laughs> oh, it's, 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 been, it's been a while. Three months. Wow. So that whole, you know, like you said, jack of all trades. So just uh, a working knowledge of all that in three months. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that, that's that's basic stuff. But And they start at ground level too, dude. Like, cause, you know, you got people of all walks of life coming in there. And you got some people in there that's like, hey, have you ever told them, hey, hand me that skill saw? They'd be like, which one? You know, they don't know what they don't know what a skill, uh, which that's what a lot of people in trades will call a circular saw. But they'll, they start off day one and say, hey, this is a hammer. This is a screwdriver. This this is a handsaw. This yeah. is a circular saw. And just go through all that stuff. So it was yeah. you starting there and then ending like we're building stuff on the demolition range for the officers to blow up, and then we have to go build stuff for ourselves to blow up later. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how were you most utilized when you were when you were in? <sighs> when was I was it, in like the demolition stuff, or were you guys like making bridges? What What did they rely on you most for? Okay, so uh, funny you mentioned bridges. I started off at Atheist B in their bridge company. And that was the only active duty bridge company in the entire Marine Corps. The other bridge companies were reservists. And oh. that the Atheist B bridge company has since been stood down. So the only bridge companies we have now are um, are reserve companies, reservist companies. We don't have any of their active duty. That's encouraging. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, with the with when I was with the bridge company, you know, um, we really didn't do any like medium girder bridges. But we did have the uh, the ribbon bridges, the the floating bridges, and we had a bunch of boats for them. We had to like maintain the boats and stuff like that. And we did uh, what's called raft operations, where we just took one section of the uh, floating ribbon bridge, took it down to the bay, put it out, and you tied two boats to either side of the of the uh, section of the bridge, and we loaded Abrams tanks on it, and then ferried them across the bay to the thing. Yeah, hey, here's a raft. Here's a floating bridge. Tie tie two boats to it and haul an Abrams. And we did that one day. That was pretty cool. You guys cast away at a tank. Yes. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, that was something I never thought I would do as a combat engineer. Like I knew I was going to be building bridges and and like building buildings and stuff, but never in a million years thought well, we were going to be on a boat ferrying a tank across. The but bank. like, who made that SOP? I feel like that's a whole my beer moment. You know, it's like, oh, we don't have enough bridge. Oh, no. What will we do? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who came up with it, but, like, every, like everybody at the bridge company was like, yeah, this is a normal day-to-day thing for us. I was like, okay, cool. And then yeah. from there, I went to, I was, I was in the in a construction shop. Construction shop is, like, it can be really chill and, and 
laid out for for you, or it can be like hectic. It just depends. But like that's like, hey, you're building plaques and shadow boxes for people that are good getting out. So you get a little bit of that fine woodworking stuff in, you know. Yeah. So which it was good, you know, good experiences and stuff. And we did do uh, uh, pour several concrete slabs over there for different projects around the base. That was uh, good for us to learn on, get practice mixing concrete and getting it to the right grade and everything like that. Um, but then from there, I went to the Mew. And the Mew was like a bunch of workups. And honestly, a lot like we'd either get a construction thing. So here, I need this made out of wood, is what a lot of it would be. It's like, hey, can you build this or can you build this? And sometimes it'd be something big, sometimes it'd be something small. Like, when I was with the Mew in Afghanistan, they had, on Kandahar Airfield, this area that where they were storing, like, uh, all this uh, ordnance for the Harriers. Like, up to 2,000-pound bombs were stored in this thing. And it was just, like, big berm in a square with an opening. And that was it. And they, they, were, like, they were like, yeah, can y'all, uh, you know, make this so we can lock this up and do this, that, and whatever. Yeah, okay, we can, we'll come up with a plan. Well, while we're building it, they're storing bombs in there. And we're like, what the? I was like, y'all don't have, and there's no guard post. I was like, what are we doing? But we went through and like we uh, laid, I don't know if you know what HESCO is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we laid HESCO on top of the berm and then on top of the HESCO put concertina wire around that and then made this massive gate. We had, we had, like, we had like eight by eight posts and then six by six, or not six by sixes, but two by sixes and two by fours and stuff just made this huge wooden gate so they could actually lock it up. I was like, I can't believe y'all just been storing ordinance in here with no this lock no open. guard just like like hodges are just driving around on jingle trucks all over Goodness. the place We're like what are we doing guys and it's like right next to the airfield too but yeah we did that so we like that was reinforcing that um just uh and like i said we flew out to the uh fob dwyer to like uh build build places for people to go poop in a sanitary way you know just right. different stuff like that's whatever the users for for that and then that's awesome what, when I was in Okinawa, we were doing airfield stuff. It's like a helping put in expedient airfields and stuff, like practicing for that. Which, when I was in Okinawa, I got fapped out a lot. Like I was like with the range for eight months, and then I come back from the range, they put me with S three for a while, and blah blah blah. So I didn't get a whole lot of experience with the airfields. But then when I was at Pendleton, it was back to a construction shop where it's like me and just one other engineer pretty much. And it was like, okay, we're building shadow boxes again for people getting out. Right. It's pretty much how we were used. Now we, I did do a couple of demo ranges while I was in, I did more demo ranges with the Mew than I did anything else. And I did while we was at, while I was in Okinawa, we did build a school in Thailand, which oh, that wow. was fun. Um, so, you know, we get utilized a good bit, but as far as, like, the obstacles and stuff, nobody really wants us to go out and practice putting up obstacles because then, like, at a training environment, then you got to tear it down. Right. It's so, like nobody wants to deal with it. Like, you've seen people put up concertina wire all the time, and I guarantee you, you've never seen it put up by the book. I, I'm, I guarantee it because by the book, you have to have barbed wire reinforcement that actually gives it structure and holds it together so that you can literally have an Abrams tank go through there and it'll pull the track off the Abrams. Wow. But, like, nobody wants to do it that way because it, so takes, take it, down. it takes more time and then it takes longer to, to tear down. And they just want to throw something up that looks like a fence and they can, say, call it secure and move on. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool, man. So... What would, so let's say a, uh, a notional scenario, right? What would, what would like a basic loadout for just an individual combat engineer look like? 
All right, so, kind of all around because I know you guys do all sorts of all sorts of nonsense. But what would be your kind of go to kit? I suppose go to for an inch. Oh, first off, is work gloves. We get good work gloves, not like the leather shooting gloves that you're issued. Those things are trash. Like you destroy them the minute you touch concertina wire with them. Like just like your basic garden variety like leather working gloves will get you through eighty percent of what you need for a common engineer. Okay. Um, that is the most important thing. Obviously, you need eye protection too. Whenever like people don't think about, it. oh well, I'm like hammering nails. Well, I don't know how much time you spent hammering nails, but you hit that thing the wrong way, and I've seen them go flying. And then also, when I was at the construction shop, had some reservists come in, and one of them didn't know what he was doing with a nail gun, and had the nail ricochet off the wood and fly past my face. So I was like, I'm going back inside. But uh, yeah, so working with power tools and stuff like that, you do have. You know, you do need to actually wear your eye protection. I know it's kind of cliche to say, but it does need to be harped on because some people ignore it. Um, as far as individual things, <clears throat> some good wire cutters are good. Uh, I know, um, I think it's, who was, was it Sky Pirate? I can't remember. Somebody on Instagram, I, I'm, I'm missing the name right now. He uh, was talking about some Nipex uh, miniature bolt cutters. Those would be really good. Um, okay. Sandbags, like the uh, definitely yeah, need to carry at least like twenty. That. Yeah, 20, uh, 20 sandbags on that. That's uh, what I recommend for mo- if like you're an engineer, like mixed in with somebody else. I think everybody needs to carry at least ten, but engineers should probably carry twenty. What um, can dudes do with sandbags? Uh, your fighting positions for one. Uh, if you have a building, you can reinforce a wall. So that you do have more protection. It's not just plywood and you know insulation or whatever. So another eight percent solution, just kind of like a jack of all. You know, yeah, you, you can you can throw it wherever. You, yeah, you can throw it wherever. Um, just waiting, uh, putting waiting it down and using it to like hold down a tarp or something. You know, like there's like, all kinds of stuff you could do with that. Um, cool. I think everybody should have an e tool, but especially an engineer, you need to have an e tool because you're going to be digging something. Um, preferably if you're doing digging with engineer stuff, you have a, uh, a full size shovel to use, but an e-tool is better than your hands. Um, yeah. I like the folding silky saws. Those are really good. I, uh, for like sawing through like small branches and stuff, you know, if you're trying to get a precise cut and you're like, you don't have, you know, actual lumber that you're um, making something out of and you're trying to make, make do with what you can find in the field. Uh, this uh, folding silky saws, those are nice. Uh, okay. You know, a good hatchet. You can double as a hammer if you have to. Uh, I like lineman pliers. For, like if you have uh, wire ties for uh, uh, for tying them up good. Or, okay. ju- or just a good multi-tool also would replace both your bolt cutters and, the, uh, and your lineman pliers, actually, now that I think about it. A good multi-tool would be good. And some cordage. You know, some kind of 550 core or something like that. Okay. Um, just for binding. Yeah, just for binding stuff up. Because you, like, you always need something to tie together. Or zip ties. Zip ties would be great, too. Okay, yeah, yeah. That'd be quicker, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, especially if you get, like, the good heavy-duty ones, you can zip tie them. You can throw a couple of them on, and they'll hold a lot more than a lot of people think they will. Um, I like brush hooks instead of machetes. Um, just because for the area that I'm in, we have a lot of... Thick brush and brush it makes uh, makes quick work of it because of the shape of it. I can, uh, it, I just feel like it hacks better. But okay. you know, teach their own machete will still work too. Um, 
I think that's about it for what I would expect an individual to carry on an everyday thing. Anything else would need to be like squad level and then dispersed throughout a squad. Yeah, so what would those kind of items be? Like just to kind of maximize your ability as a combat engineer and like to disseminate, like say you you were given a task, you're one engineer with, you know, like eight other dudes, but you have to like, uh, you know, pass down instruction or like, you know, like get everybody together to make something happen. What would be the kind of equipment you'd want to disseminate through a squad? Okay, so a lot of this is going to be very mission specific, because um, like if you're going to dig a fighting position and you're not worried about putting up bod- uh, any op- uh, wire obstacles, you don't want to be toting around a bunch of, uh, you don't want to be toting around the post driver and a bunch of east eggs or whatever, right? So this right. is going to be a huge list, all right. Um, but it's it, it's if you got this, you can do probably ninety percent of what an engineer should be expected to do. Okay. Not count, not counting demolitions. All, all right. right, all right, shoot. But um, full size brush hooks, some D handle shovels, which are the shorter ones. You could go with the, the longer uh, handle ones, but that's going to be harder to pack, especially if you're going through tight brush. I like the D handle ones because you can actually strap them to the side of a pack. Uh, your post driver, along with some kind of fence post, either T post, U post, however that is. Uh, maybe some barb, uh, barbed wire. Um, be realistic on how much barbed wire you're going to carry. I will. Uh, people don't realize how much this stuff weighs. Like, uh, say, a hundred meters of barbed wire. I had it pulled up. Where to go? Uh, just a hundred meters is about twelve pounds. Whereas, if you go like, if you're just trying to buy barbed wire online, a lot of it is like this, like 1,300 feet or whatever. I don't know how many meters that is, but 1,300 feet, and that's like 60 pounds. So you're right. like, yeah, you can add that to somebody's ruck, but that that's that's going to take up a lot of space. But if you, whereas if you got right. like 100 meters, you can have everybody towed 100 meters, you know, and only adding 12 pounds, that's a little bit easier to manage and deal with. Yeah, it's a little um, more doable for sure. Yeah, and also a little trick for if you're toting like a roll of barbed wire, wrap the crap out of it with duct tape. That way, it's not tearing up the inside of your rug, and you can just peel the duct tape off or cut it off whenever you get to where you're going. Okay. But you're never uh, wherever you use it at, you're never going to get it as tight as it came off of that bundle. So, like, I would cut it and trash it if I, if if I have to pull it up, cut it, trash it somewhere else. I would not plan on hauling it back out. Okay. Um. Anyway, going back to the squad. Uh, bolt cutters, you can go full size on that, not just the mini ones. Um, some kind of axe, because maybe you don't have room to tow the chainsaw. If you got to cut down a tree, axe is, uh, is going to be your best friend. Pickaxes, if you're doing any kind of digging, it makes busting up that dirt a lot easier. Uh, crowbars, if you're having to tear anything apart or you know do a little bit of breaching, mechanical breaching. Um, some grappling hooks. They're good for breaching a wire or for clearing minefields. Um, throw, not, throw out a nice little crow's hook. Uh, I think Op for Raider, Op for Raider on Instagram. He has a couple of posts on that. They're really good. Uh, some pulse hole diggers. Um, <clears throat> I rec- there is a type of glove that we are issued. I wish I would have went out to the garage and grabbed it. But it's a, it's, we call it gauntlets. There's a really thick, heavy glove with staples all on the palm. For dealing with like the uh, concertina wire, because concertina wire itself will chew up like most gloves. 
and uh, that that's a really heavy duty glove that's really only good for messing with Constantino wire because of how bulky it is. Okay. But uh, handsaws, chainsaws, like nothing beats a chainsaw as far as like for how fast you cut and how efficient it is. The main limiting thing for chainsaws is how are you going to carry it. And that's actually my next um, thing that I'm looking for, my next topic that I'm wanting to cover on uh, the Instagram page. But I uh, I was hoping to actually already have one by the time we had this, but life throws unforeseen circumstances at us, and I had a, a total of my truck, so I'm holding off on that money until I get a mm. truck just in case I have to use it for a down payment. But uh, I, th- I think I'll be good. I think after I get a truck, I still have enough left over to go get a chainsaw, but... Chainsaws yeah. are huge, like you, uh, cutting down trees to make uh, to make obstacles, making abatis or anything like that. Like they are a huge force multiplier. I highly recommend them. Uh, sledgehammers, something you might have to drive post with a sledgehammer or or just tearing stuff apart. Sledgehammers are very useful. Um, my other notes go that I had because that. I come up with a couple of extra ones since we're diving off a little bit more into this. Um, ah, ratchet straps. You uh, you'd be surprised at how uh, how useful those are. Not even just in like tying loads down, but like you're trying to move something heavy, tie that ratchet strap around the tree, tie it to whatever you're trying to move, and you can you can ratchet it down, get it into place. Uh, some ladders if you're doing any kind of like building at height. The little giants are nice. They're heavy, but they are compact. And can if you've got vehicles, you can you know stow it in, and they don't take up a whole lot of space. Uh, some heavier duty rope, not just 550 cord. For like you know, once again, like hey, maybe I got to climb up this tree, and you can haul haul the chainsaw after you, and then start topping off the tree or something like that. Right. Um, tree felling wedges. So if you're trying to uh, cut the tree down in a very specific direction, you got the wedges, and you can use the sledgehammer to hammer them in. And you know, help cut that down, uh, knock it down a certain way. And with all these edge tools, you gonna want uh, a bunch of different files for maintaining them. Like I was just uh, digging some posts for a fence for the dogs in the backyard uh, the other day. Probably the other day. It's been a couple months ago now. But uh, like out here, we have like really hard, compacted uh, red clay, and mm-hmm. the post hole diggers actually like bent in and curled in because they were dull. And wow. I had to hammer them out straight. And when I mean, they were old post hole diggers, you know, it's not like brand new, but I still had to hammer them out straight and then hit them up with a file to sharpen them up. And I still, after that, went and uh, was pouring water into holes to uh, keep from damaging the uh, post hole diggers again. But yeah, oh keep, keep, keeping everything uh, nice and sharp helps. Um, some power tools, you know, like hand drill, sawzall, circular saw, chop saw. Stuff like that, that helps make work go by a lot faster than just doing it all hand tools. But once again, this is all getting into how much can you carry, you know? Right. Um, uh, a nail gun, small air compressor, you know, screws and nails, hammers, tie wire. I already mentioned barbed wire. You can buy concertina wire on, uh, online. Some people didn't know that, but you can. But I would only buy concertina wire if you're going to be able to have a vehicle to, tr- to haul it. Right. Because there is n- there is no good way to put that on a pack. There's none whatsoever. Um, some you know if uh, if you're doing some kind of wood wood construction, you're going to need some lumber. A concrete mixer and a wheelbarrow would be great if you're doing any kind of concrete work. Because instead of having to try to just mix it by hand, concrete mixers will save your back. 
and a mason trowel, mason float for doing any kind of concrete work, some sandpaper. And I threw in metal detector at the last minute. You cannot find a mine detector, you know, uh, available to a civilian. But you can't find a metal detector, and it's not going to detect the, the low metallic uh, plastic mines. But if you're in a situation where you have to try to find something that's, that's better than just walking and praying. Right. But I think that about covers it as far as squad stuff goes. Cool. Is there any questions you have maybe about that or anything? Not specifically that I can that I can think of. Like I said, it, you know, like we said in the beginning, it's difficult because you, you know, your scope is so is so wide, right? So it's like you have to give you like a very specific situation to mm-hmm. you know, to nail down a question. But uh, just from your experience, you know, as a comm engineer, how are you? I guess underutilized. You know what I mean? Because you are a jack of all trades, you can do so much, you know, and leadership never hits the mark, it seems like. So how were you underutilized? How could you have been used better? Involved us in planning, really. Like, uh, where it was, hey, we're going to go out and do this instead of having an engineer there to sit in and make suggestions to, hey, we could do this or we could do this. It's just... They oh well we need the engineers to do this and then they just leave it alone. They don't ask hey what else we could you do or anything like that. And having people involved in planning, or having somebody that has some kind of in- idea of what an engineer can is capable of doing involved in the planning. Whereas a lot of times it's like oh no we don't want to do that or we don't we don't have time to do it that way or something like that is, is what it boils down to a lot. Okay. Um, so it'd be better to. To know, figure out what's going on before you get the op order, then yes. then to learn about it. Then yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, One of the questions I was going to ask you before we started talking was um, was you know going back to like the midman engineer kind of idea of you know like what kind of civilian uh, job like best lends itself to like to like one-to-one transferring over and yes. taking up the role of a combat engineer. But after talking with you, you know, okay, like carpenter, mm-hmm. electrician, plumber, mm-hmm. I've, you know, any number of, of these jobs. So any of the trades, like a, a lumberjack, somebody uh, does a lot of tree filling. Like yeah. there is an art to that. And like I've, I've, I've been, you know, like I said, I've been looking at the chainsaw stuff and, I've watched a couple of uh, chainsaw videos. Now Instagram's flooded my thing of like all these lumberjacks and they're cutting down stuff. And like I'm talking about, they're cutting down this massive tree that's like this big in between a gap that big. And I'm like, I do not trust myself to do that. I was gonna say <laughs> some of the some of these videos I've seen. I've seen one dude drop a tree like in between open gate, and he's like, it's gonna go right there. Wham! It's like goodness. Yeah, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not that good. Like I did. Uh, when I was going through school, I had a teacher that was, uh, he was paralyzed from the waist down, and he needed some help during one of our breaks cutting down some trees in his yard. So, yeah, I'll come out and help you, you know. I cut down the first one, went down good. Second one, it had an S-curve in it, and like so it had all the weight on this side over here of the oh, tree, no. and I wanted it to fall this way. And he had the idea of, oh, well, we'll throw a rope up here, tie it off, and have this other guy that's out here helping us, he'll... We'll tie the other end of the rope to the truck and have him down over that way, pulling it that way. I'm like, that's what you want to do. All right, we'll do it. And I, I start cutting it. 
you know, I made, I cut my wedge on the way I wanted it to go, and I start cutting the relief cut, and the wind started blowing. And that thing started going backwards, and it bound up the saw, saw and I about crapped my pants. I let go of the saw, and we started screaming at him to go. And he finally started going, pull it tight, and it, and it started going. And I should have just left the saw alone, but my idiot self reached in there, grabbed the saw, and pulled it out, and then got out of the way. But, yeah, that was a oh, crap moment. And it, like, oh. nearly missed one of his uh, wife's. Uh, palm trees or whatever that she, he's like I've still hit that sheet of man I'm like well I was like it was a kind of a screwed up situation Mr. Henry. I don't know what you want me to do <laughs> well like I've seen so many videos of where it, you know it'll just kick back at it, dude that's like golly oh dude I watched one the other day it was like some grandma was out there sawing down a tree and she almost died I don't think she realized it but she almost died because the tree fell and then it kicked up and like you saw the tree the the thing stump was right here at her head, and it literally just bounced over her head. Like if it had just went sideways, like grandma would have been dead. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. People don't realize like uh, people don't realize how dangerous it is. Like when I went to e school and we were practicing with the chainsaws, uh, they were saying, "Hey, we're not going to be able to cut down a tree with this time with you guys because." The last cycle, they had an instructor, an instructor out there die because the tree got hung up on something, and as uh, whenever it finally broke free, it shot down and hit him in the back of the head. Even though he and it killed him, even though he was wearing his hard hat. So wow, it, it's very dangerous. It's, it's not something to just go out there and play with. Like, well, if you, you got a tree that's out there in the middle of nowhere, yeah, sure, go practice on it. But I wouldn't go start off on like you know a eighteen inch diameter oak that you're trying to cut down. Well, it's like, and people, you know, you don't realize how much trees weigh, just how much mm-hmm. wood weighs until you've worked with it a lot. Like we had to take down uh, the only tree, unfortunately, in my backyard because it was all had uh, heart rot all the way through. Mm. You know, you'd, I took down a limb and I just saw like a six inch just black hole. And it's like, golly. So I had to take it down before, you know, it took out, you know, the deck, but, you know, or the kid or the dogs or whatever. Right. So yeah. I was taking it down. I had a, a buddy who's, you know, same as you, uh, a tradesman and just, you know, knows everything seems like. So he's helped <laughs> me out and, um, you know, he's tied off this limb and I was, you know, we had it, uh, you know, anchored over top. And I was holding on to it. Me and my, me and my dad were holding on to it. And then he felt it as soon as the weight hit, it took me off the ground, mm-hmm. probably five, six foot out of the air and like 10 feet over towards the tree before it finally settled down and we were able to lower it. It's like, dude, I'm 200 pounds. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it took me just like, seriously, five foot off the ground, mm-hmm. 10 feet. Like just, I flew and it's like, like it was nothing. Yeah. It's like, it's an, it's an outrageous amount of weight. That's just there. Yeah. That's why you see a lot of these, uh, professional guys are out there like cutting down trees, like in neighborhoods and stuff. They don't just cut down the whole tree. They climb up, cut limbs off as they're going, and they top it and take it down in sections so it's not the yeah. whole thing coming down. Right. I mean, I don't want to be the guy climbing, but that is the safer way to do it, you know, if we're being yeah. honest. Well, we felt the same sort of situation. Felled a tree in my buddy's yard, this huge, huge oak tree. Felled it. We were cleaning up, you know, coring everything, went over, and there was probably a six, eight inch, uh, you know, limb that had been driven just down. Hmm. Mm-hmm. into the dirt and I kicked it and it was just solid. I was like, oh, <laughs> like it didn't break. It just got punched down into the dirt. I was like, wow. Yeah. That's never coming out. All yeah. right. <laughs> this is now part of the yard. Yeah. Just craziness. 
but I mean, and, and that's the thing. So that was my, you know, my original question was how to, you know, like what transfers like one to one, what guys, yeah, you know, what uh, guys can be trained up, but there's just so much. So I guess the question is, um, you know, thinking of being in that leadership role or taking on, you know, people who are in this, are in this community, how do you best, you know, pick and utilize people for that? How do you train up well, people into that kind of mindset of, of your job? You want somebody that is, or one like a steady hand is good. Uh, obviously, you got a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of hand work. Sorry, had a brain fart there. But uh, a good mindset really is the big one. Like if you have somebody that can work under pressure, you know, can deal with the time crunch. Like, hey, we've got to have this whole dug by so like you know we're digging a fighting position and we're expecting somebody to be coming here within so many hours. It's like you got a legit, you know deadline and it's not just a deadline because you're not getting paid if you don't meet it it's like hey so you know have somebody that can work under pressure do what needs to be done and do it right and not uh you know half i'm trying not to cuss half send it in or you know half butt it whatever and uh and do a, a shoddy job because yeah. your life if you're digging in a fighting position somebody's life is going to going to rely on that All right, that's not yeah. that's that that's Potentially a life-saving thing that you're working on, you know. That's not just, oh, hole in ground, you know. It's, hey, you need to have it so they can have clear sectors of fire, this, that, and the other. And you need, actually need, you might need to be, have somebody digging the fighting position, somebody out there cutting down trees so they do have a, a clear lane to fire. You know, yeah. and you got to have somebody that can think of these things, not just go, oh, we need fighting position, let's just dig here. And just, no, you got to be able to think a little bit bigger. So having somebody that works good under pressure, can see the big picture, and uh, it's not afraid of the hard work because all of this is hard work. There, like yeah. if you get done doing a doing the day of work as a combat engineer, when your head hits the hits the uh, the rock rack pillow whatever you're using, you are out. There, like if you have problems going to sleep after doing work as a day of engineer, then I don't think you did your job hard enough. Um, well, that's the thing. It's like you're you're fighting the earth for a lot of what your what your job is. Mm-hmm. You're reshaping everything to what you need it to be. Yes, and so. and I mean there are certain things that make this make it more easier. Like uh, <clears throat> if somebody uh, can run heavy equipment, if somebody can run a dozer or run a backhoe. Hey, that makes my job way easier, and we can have stuff done a lot faster. Or even just like a, a small bobcat or something that makes everything a lot easier. And it, uh, if especially if they have access to that equipment, yeah, that that. You, you cut down your need for manpower a lot. So if you got a small team, but hey, somebody can run some heavy machinery and has access to it, that that's a huge multiplier. Um, demolition, I I probably still want to touch on this on the uh, Instagram page a little bit. I don't touch on it a lot because not everybody has access to it. Right. But it itself can still be a huge multiplier. Like, say if you're trying to make an abatis, I don't know if you know what that is. No, what is that? That's um, it might be called not pronounced a baddest. I don't know, but it's uh, where you have a bunch of trees like say alongside a road, okay. and you uh, you can either cut them down or you can put uh, demolitions on them and blow out the bottoms of the trunk so they'll fall. So like say, like so falling it, towards the yeah, falling towards it, and they'll be interlocked like that. Uh, sorry oh, for podcasters, yes, yeah. but they'll be interlocked over top of each other. So uh. If you can do that and say there's a convoy coming and you can set that off with demo as they're coming, hey, 
that that falls down in front of them, and they they really have no time to react then. So demolition does help with that. Yeah, they're um, not doing I'll, anything. Yeah, and there's actually um, something called uh, relative effectiveness factor, if I remember that correctly, and uh, it's a way we do demolition uh, calculations, and I'm <clears throat> and it's all based off of TNT. TNT being like a 1.0 or whatever uh, REF. And there is a REF for Tannerite, which is a, a monal, I think is what its actually uh, explosive name is. It's, like it's ammonium, nitrate, and aluminum. And uh, I actually want to look into how effective using Tannerite to fill a tree is. My buddy's got a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, overgrown land. That one, we're going to practice cutting our trees down that there. And I also want to see how accurate my calculations are using Tannerite and how much Tannerite it will take to take down a good sized tree. So that might be something coming down the pipe later on. Nice. Yeah. Doesn't Tannerite, don't you need, so the, the trigger mechanism, isn't it uh, pressure? Uh, <coughs> uh, yes, Tannerite needs a uh, center fire rifle cartridge to hit it. There are some exploding targets that only require a like a rim fire, like a twenty two. But I haven't used those. I don't know how reliable they are. I know Tannerite is very safe. You can mix it up, hit it with a hammer, and it's not going to go off. It needs to be hit with a center fire rifle. Five five six will do it. You know, I is think it just like the feet per second kind of thing, or yeah. Well, you know, most of your energy from a bullet is coming from how fast it's going. Right. So yeah, your uh, feet per second is uh, is what's doing is the velocity is not there. That's what you need the center fire for. Cool. Did yeah. you ever use thermite? <clears throat> I've never used it in the Marine Corps. I've played around with it a little bit outside of it, trying to mix up stuff of my own. Um, How'd that it, go for you, if you burns. don't mind? It burns. It burns hot. Uh, just yeah. make sure you don't have it anywhere where it can get out of control. Yeah. But uh, it does It does burn. Um, it does really I well. I haven't done thermite yet. The most I've done is... Like making backyard napalm, and yes, I listened to that episode. I don't want to do it again, honestly. <laughs> like I'm going to do it again just to like nail down the the mix, so I know what it needs to be. But it's scary, dude. Yeah, there's a bunch like, of uh, like surprise. Uh, actually, I wanted to talk to you about that. Uh, I can't remember what all you uh, what all did you use when you made your back, backyard napalm. So we just used uh, styrofoam and gasoline. But styrofoam talking to a buddy, gasoline. he yeah, said that's, that's styrofoam the go-to. gasoline and motor oil would be. Would help a lot. Yeah, uh, motor oil helps. Uh, mixing it 50-50 uh, gasoline and diesel. Diesel will help it burn longer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And also what you can use for a thickener is ivory soap. Ivory soap? Just ivory soap. Take you like a potato peeler and just like make a bunch of shavings with it and add it in there. Oh, and, that'll, and that okay. works as a very, very good fuel thickener and making it sticky. Styrofoam. It works really well. I've had I've had good experiences with it, but it also it doesn't let it spread as much. You know what I mean? It, it's like it, it hits and it then it, it's kind of stuck there and it stays yeah. right where it's at. Whereas like if you use the ivory soap, it will it'll still stick, but it spreads a lot more. So you have more uh, that's more interesting. Pronounced or yeah, more you know make fire go farther. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's interesting. Yeah, and that was the scary part about the new palm we used was that like. It, like you said, it just clumped together and it stayed there. So like we even tried to like pull it off mm -hmm. and it would make these tendrils. And it would just like uh, like goo. 
Yeah. But like hell, like goo from hell because it was on fire and it just like mm-hmm. black tendrils in. We could douse it with water and it would go out. But then if you moved it at all, it would catch right again because it would mm-hmm. just get that carbon off and it would just start again. And, you know, it burned for forever. Mm-hmm. Like it burned for an outrageous amount of time. I was like, I would hate to have this anywhere near me in a yeah. bad way. Like, yeah. And white phosphorus is 10 times worse. Yeah. Yeah. It like, you can't put white phosphorus will burn underwater. Goodness. <laughs> like the, like the only way you can like, I've, I don't even know if there is a good way to put out a white phosphorus fire other than letting it just burn out. I used, I had a better idea. I didn't know we was going to go this route. Otherwise I'll look this up, but yeah, I, I, it, I think it produces its own oxygen, which is why it burns underwater. So holy crap, dude! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, white phosphorus That's, is very, very what? bad juju. <laughs> like you, ha- if you make, if you have white phosphorus, it's you have to have it stored in a vacuum because as soon as it hits oxygen, it'll start burning. That's terrifying. I love yeah. it. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and we, and we use that for, or we used to use that as smoke rounds. That's why, like, uh, you know, you know the movie Fury. They yeah. fired the smoke round into the uh, the building. Yeah, that was white phosphorus getting on the Germans and burning them. Oh, nice. That, that's what we <laughs> used to make the smoke is white phosphorus. Goodness, man. Yeah, terrible stuff. Terrible stuff. That's cr- that's crazy. And, oh, and the smoke it produces, if I remember correctly, I might be wrong. Somebody's probably going to call me out on it. But if I remember correctly, the smoke it produces is also toxic. <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. I swear, man, whoever comes up with this stuff is just like, they look around like, am I allowed to do this? And I'm like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Like, why not? Yeah, yeah. I cracked open, I don't, I don't remember what FM is, what FM it is by heart, but the uh, the improvised munitions handbook. Oh, uh, to uh, 21 to 10, I believe it is. I really appreciate you knowing that just off the top of your head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm about to double check it, but I've got it, I've got it saved as... as, as one of the Minecraft documents under my phone. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, I was just looking through. I'm just like, wow, this is a lot of really cool information. Really be a shame if someone made a cookbook out of this. Um, yeah. Um, where you at? Oh, TM31210. My bad. That's the one. But yeah, see, and there's a bunch of stuff in there. And it has a bunch of really, uh, you know, if anybody wants to look it up. I like it's good knowledge to have, but I am not a chemist. I, I was a combat engineer. They yeah. told me how to use it. They didn't tell me how to make it. And that's you start fair. making you start making primary explosives. That's a good way to lose a finger. Or, uh, or more, yeah. Because you have secondary explosives. That's like your C four RDX stuff uh, TNT that needs a blasting cap to set it off. Primary explosives are the ones that are super sensitive, and that's the stuff that goes into a blasting cap. And it doesn't take a whole lot to set them off. Like, there was a, uh, some guy, I can't remember his name, um, Ordnance Lab talked about it a while back. But he was making TATP, which is very, very, very sensitive primary explosive that a lot of jihadis use in IEDs and for initiators and stuff. And he was trying to make it, he's going to try to do some, some evil stuff or whatever. And in the process of making it, it blew up and effed up his hand and he went into the ER and tried to say it was a lawnmower accident and they're like no this doesn't look like a lawnmower blade 
So he got arrested go for in, that. You can't yeah. go into ERs and just tell people what an injury looks like. They've seen it too much. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I was I was working at a uh, an urgent care. I'm a nurse. Um, I was working at an urgent care, and dude came in. His entire hand was like wrapped in a towel. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I want this guy. This guy's mine. <laughs> and I brought him back. And I'm like, hey, dude, what's your name? What happened? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And he took it off, and he's like, I was in my shop. And I was cleaning my, I was cleaning my fan. I was like, "Did you turn it off first? He said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> he took the towel off, and it does like right at the junction of his hand to his to oh. his second finger down to the bone. I was like, "Oh, dude, you need to go to the ER, man. Like, we can't help you here. Sorry." <laughs> but I'm just like, "Golly, man, you didn't turn it off." But. Yeah. You you sound like you would appreciate the uh, the Savage Paramedics. I love uh, their page. Yeah, I love it. I love it. They have the best stuff. Yeah, they have they the do. best like, stuff. I've, I've got a buddy that uh, he used to work with me. He's very sque- uh, squeamish. I love just sending him the the stuff from Savage Paramedics. Is he he gets so squeamish and like ah uh, no it's gonna make me throw up stuff like that. I um. I send stuff to my buddy too, and he's like, "Oh, it's disgusting. Why do you do that?" Thanks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you, you well, can't like. It's like a train wreck. Like you, it's hard to watch, but you can't look away. Oh like, yeah. Do, do you remember the one where it was like the guy was jumping, trying to jump from like a, a boat to the dock, and he fell on the uh, on the fence? It was like a wire fence. Oh yeah. And you see, it, like go up through into uh, his yeah. armpit. I was like, oh. Yeah. Uh, that's like, just, just bad juju. Half bad the stuff day. I'm like, dude, that's gonna hurt for so long. <laughs> like, I think the first one I ever saw was one my brother sent to me. It was like where uh, a snapping turtle had bit somebody's finger off, and like I looked at it, it looked like somebody took shears. It was such a clean cut. And I was like, oh my, like I, a turtle so did that, quick, dude. Yeah, they're so quick. It's scary. Yes, they are. And I've yeah. got a bunch of them out. In, I got I got a pond in the backyard. Oh, that's nice. Well, I won't have any. Uh, I haven't seen any snapping turtles, but we got a bunch of turtles out there. Jeez, man. Yeah. We had when I was a kid. We would go out and we would get crawdads from the from the creek. And you have nice. some of those that would be like that big, and they'd like turn back on you. Like, yeah, you cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got a. Uh, that's the uh, thing I love about living down here is we have water everywhere. There's ponds, creeks, like, and that. One of the, that's one of the biggest things I was trying to figure out as far as like land nav wise. Like I got a uh, topographical map from my area. I was looking. I was like, "There's waterways everywhere." And like you know, SHTF situation. You know, and I can't yeah. drive. I've got to have a good way to forward water. Yeah, you know? I've got yeah. to have a good way to get across this if I have to walk. Especially if I have to walk to my parents because that's like a day's walk just to get to my parents' house. Wow. And, like, you know, if I want to go check on mom and dad, that, that's, well, I could get there in under a day, but I'd have to be go over there, then spend the night, and then walk back the next day or something. Right. So, luckily, my in laws are a lot closer. I could walk, uh, I could drive to their house in five minutes, so I could walk there in probably an hour. But Okay. But, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of rivers between there and yonder for a lot of them. And if I'm trying to stay off the roads or stay off the ridges, then I got to have a good way of fording water. Right. And, I think most of it, if it, especially if it's summer, I'm just going to have to get wet. But winter, it's going to be a little bit mm-hmm. tougher it's a tougher call. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that's that's danger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which luckily for us, you know, even during, like, uh, uh, 
right now, even during January, I still have a bunch of green outside. And yeah, yeah it like it was cool today, but like I think temperature was in the forties, and it'll maybe get down into the thirties tonight. Which I know I was talking talking trash the other the other day. Oh yeah, we have eighty degree Christmases, and then we had like the coldest Christmas we've had in five years this year. And I was like, oh my god, I shouldn't have talked so much crap. Jeez, dude. <laughs> Well, and like I, you know, I talk smack about Texas all the time being too hot. Like I could die here every day. And mm-hmm. then like what, 2021, February, the freeze, it's like three degrees outside. I had no power. Oh, I was like running a fire in my fireplace for four days. I was like, I take it back. This is horrible. <laughs> yes. It's like, that's, that's, that's like I, you know, a bunch of people around here are like, oh, I like the summer. I'm like, I like the winter, but I like Alabama winters. <laughs> I like where it gets, it gets cold. It gets cold enough to kill the bugs, but I don't want to have to deal with three feet of snow. I, you know, I tell my wife all the time. You know, I do like light jacket weather. Well, I have to throw on like my little like quilt line jacket. I'm just like, oh, this is nice. I can do mm-hmm. this. Like yeah. forty degrees. That's yeah, forty yeah, fifty degrees. I'm okay with that. I can deal yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'll even I'll even deal with getting down in the thirties. I just don't want it to snow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Black ice scares me, man. Like not as much snow. Just oh. you're driving, and then you're not anymore. Like I hate that, <laughs> dude. Uh, I was going to Corporal's course when I was in Lejeune, and I, it had froze the night before. And like you know, it was up in North Carolina. I'm not. I'm from South Alabama. I'm not used to driving in this stuff. And I hit a patch of black ice, and we did like a 180 going down the road, going to Corporal's course. Me and all my buddies going to check in for Corporal's course, and like our dress, uh, our uh, not dress, but our. Uh, service alpha is going to check in i was like oh this suck we're going to go to we're, we're going to mess everything up just trying to get there driving but it's good times we made it Jeez. this week's episode is brought to you by fieldseats.com fieldseats.com is an e-commerce federally licensed firearms dealer they provide virtual reviews on brand new firearms optics and gear or at the end of the review they give away the item being reviewed to an attendee currently they've got reviews ranging from the Shao Systems MR920 for $35, the Springfield M1A for $65, or Chichicon ACOG with RMR for $60. Each review has limited seating, so your chances of winning the giveaway are that much higher. Check out FieldSeats.com to purchase your reviews and enter to win the item being reviewed, and use code STRONGMEN to get 10% off your order. Be sure to check out their Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Field underscore Seats for updates on products and other tips and info. Use code STRONGMEN to receive 10% off your entire purchase at fieldseats.com. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks for listening, guys. Now back to the episode. Stay in the fight. So I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to think of a, of a scenario for you. Okay. So let's say, um, you know, nothing specific, but say that you were tasked with making um, like, a, like a funneling kind of operation, right? Mm-hmm. So like you had to, to funnel them. You know where they're coming from. You had... You know, let's say I'll, I'll give you free reign over what kind of supply you have, but um, how would you, how would, what would be your preferred way of working out those obstacles? Um, are we blocking a road or just, or we're trying to channel them in through a field? Let's say through a field. So if we're going through a field, um, mines are great, but if you don't have mines, what is a still very effective uh, tool is just put up signs that say you have mines. Like, uh, oh, you know what? I haven't thought of that. That's that's actually really that's really messed up, man. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
Yes. Like uh, well, it makes me think of the uh, of uh, if you ever, I don't know if you ever read Fry the Brain, the uh, Urban Sniper, but mm-hmm. uh, sniper I'm working work. on it right now. I haven't made it all the way through yet. Yeah, just the science sniper at work. Yeah, like same kind of idea. I like that. Yeah. So uh, if you look on my uh, Instagram post and go to the counter mobility thing, it has the picture of the mine signs, which is just a inverted isosceles tri- uh, triangle painted red with the word mines on it. Which I mean, you can just spray paint a sign that says mines, and it's going to make people think twice. But put that over where you don't want them to go. And if you do have a c- couple of small toe poppers or something, you can sprinkle them in if you wanted to. Or rig up something, or just dig holes and then turn and then like dig fresh holes and then just Least back fill the exposed. hole and then just back fill the hole so it looks like somebody just buried something there and mm. that that'll channelize people away from that or make them try to uh, breach it either way if they try to breach if they try to breach it with like a micklick or something you're going to know they're coming you're going to hear that well it's like that you know wasting time yeah makes me think of you said earlier um, a good squad excuse me. Um, Squad equipment would be like postal diggers, just guy walking around, you know, mm-hmm. make 20, 30 of those in, you know, five minutes. Yeah. And you don't even have to dig very deep. You just have to make it look like somebody turned up stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's that's cool. Yeah. That um, wire obstacles is a go to. But like I said, if you don't have like if you're trying to do a lot of it, if you don't have heavy equipment and a lot of guys, then like you got to be more careful about how you do it. What I do like is the uh, Tanglefoot tangle foot obstacle. I can't remember if I've made a post on that yet. But basically what that is, is you have a, uh, like, just uh, normal barbed wire, and you want it, you can either use pre-existing trees or drive stakes. A really good application of it is going to, like, if you got, like, a field with tall grass, and uh, drive three foot stakes into the ground. You want to have them two feet down, have one foot uh, about one foot sticking up, and then run that barbed wire just like not straight across. Have some of it going up high, some of it go- going down low, and just, uh, so you can't just uh, guess where it's at and jump over it and just in a tangled mess wherever you don't want them to go. And put that in there, especially in that tall grass. They're going running through there, thinking they're good. Boom! First person hits it. They're tripping over, falling. If they happen to land on a stake, now they're impaled on the stake too, not just, you know, falling over into the barbed wire and getting tangled up. There's, like, there's all kinds of ways to mess somebody up like that. Um, yeah. And that's also a good way of hiding it. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, well, then, you know, think of your mind idea, mixing that in with that as well would mm-hmm. you know, yeah. cause a lot more damage for sure. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to like, like for denying the area. Um, area denial, yeah. Yeah, area denial. That's a good way of doing it. Um, let me. See. I got actually have FM five thirty four pulled up somewhere. Have you ever? I, sorry, while you're while you're looking it up, just think. Have you ever used um, vehicles, like not your own vehicles, but you know, say abandoned vehicles or? Oh yeah, using using a vehicle to block a road, definitely, definitely. Um, How do you go about that? Just overturning it, or what's the what's the best it depends. Way, it depends. Do you want it? Do you how how permanent of a fixture do you want it um you can put it there just and uh, leave it there or pop tires if you have uh if you have he available maybe you can flip it on its side uh if you have he available then what i'd really do and you're trying to use a vehicle dig a shallow hole put it in there and then backfill a little bit you know if you have the time that's gonna be a really oh. hard hard thing to move um if there's a farm 
close to you and they have like a bunch of old tractor tires that they're not using, dig a hole, bury, half, bury them halfway in, then backfill on that. That'll stop a that'll stop a truck. I promise you that. Okay, those things are gnarly. I did that for my for my son in our backyard. I got an mm-hmm. old tractor tire. I bit dug mm-hmm. it halfway, and yeah, like you said, that thing's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's not. Uh, if you really want to sturdy it up, uh, throw some plywood over the gaps and the holes in it, and then fill it up with concrete. It, uh, mm. Yeah, no, no, that's really, really not going nowhere. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was you who made the post or someone else on IG, but talking about same kind of idea with tractor tires or just like you know off the just like vehicle tires but just sequentially like making yep. a uh, making a fence around mm-hmm. an area um there was okay i made a post about it a while back but it's like one of my older ones that looks like crap that i need to redo i haven't redone that one yet um but i think highway snow or Snow Highway Snowpile or some, there's another guy he does he does engineer content as well I follow him what is his name hold on I want to give credit where credits due yeah Highway Snowpile Highway underscore Snowpile he's done a couple of stuff like that he may have done one mentioning that um I think somebody commented on one of my posts a while back about it too and I was like hey yeah I've actually uh Made that myself, or I had I made a post on that, but I think he made a. I'm trying to look, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But yeah, Highway Snowpile is also a very good account to follow for engineer stuff. So, uh, if you don't have access to Constantino wire, there is the uh, the double apron fence that you can make with just barbed wire. Um, it's let's see if I can. It's a very involved and very wire intensive, okay. but it, it is like it is a replacement for Constantino wire if you have to have something to, to that standard and that grade. Mm. There we go. I just sent it to you on Instagram, but that's a double apron fence. It's a diagram of that. Very okay. involved. Uh, like, like I said, it's going to use up a bunch of wire because you have one, two, three. Oh, wow. Four. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. That that is a replacement for Constantino wire. If you absolutely have to have something like that, but like I said, that is very involved as far as how much wire you're going to need. Like, I was gonna say if you had an outrageous amount of barbed wire for sure. Yeah. Like, if if you've got say a, a squad of guys each carrying a hundred meters, you're probably going to use every bit of it doing that. Wow. But that's a hell of a barrier. Good yes. luck with that. Yeah, that's not something you're just going to have somebody lay across and then crawl over the top and then get into across. <laughs> and if you have a you have a tank coming through there, I, I'm not going to guarantee it, but I say there's a good good chance of it ripping the uh, the tracks off. Wow. On my posts of who can be a Minuteman, I was trying to go as broad as I could, and there is or not a Minuteman, but a, like a Minuteman engineer type thing, like. Right, it pulls from so many different skill sets and so many different, uh, you know, walks of life that can be applied to it. Like farmers, like a lot of people don't think about far- like farmers have to put up their own fences all the time, you know, and or, or, and they also operate tractors, heavy equipment, doing all kinds of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're living in a rural community and you got a bunch of farmers together, guess what? They can do probably 
78 percent of the job of a combat engineer by themselves. I was gonna say if you know, you just got to point. You, know you got to tell them what you need done, and they'll probably be able to do it. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say if you have a a general contractor buddy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So um, same difference. I mean, I think the major hurdle besides you know going from like a uh, you know civilian trade to combat engineer is the is the explosives bit. And that is something I wish <coughs> I I wish one was just more available to free people. Like I know, yeah, some people can be a little scary about it or whatever, but I'm I'm of the the uh, mindset that hey, if the government can have it, everybody should be able to have it type of person. But that's just me. Um and, well, I feel like a lot of the stuff is self limiting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if everybody could, you know, just buy H E at Walmart then you're not going to see people popping off with it because everybody can have it. Yeah, or they're going to blow their own souls up, you know. Because, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, back in the day, you, you used to be able to buy dynamite at the hardware store, you know. Farmers used to do that. They, they'd go out and just buy dynamite for blowing up stumps when they were clearing land, yeah. you know. Which, oh, fun fact, uh, military-grade dynamite is actually weaker than commercial dynamite. Oh, naturally, yeah. I don't doubt that at all. Because commercial dynamite, or military-grade dynamite, is more stable. Because commercial dynamite actually has nitroglycerin in it, which is what makes it so strong, but also what like makes it like you see uh, in the cowboy movies. You know, they shoot a stick of dynamite and it blows up. That's real. Like shock, just from that can will blow it up. If you have military-grade dynamite, you can shoot it and it's not going to blow up. Yeah. They use. Uh, I can't remember the actual type of explosive they use it, but they use a different kind of explosive instead of nitroglycerin in military grade dynamite. Uh, but talking about explosives, I wish I could get a hold of the licensing for it because I would love to do a kind of thing where I could have some people out and teach them engineering stuff and say, "Hey, at the end of it, we're going to blow some stuff up because I feel like that would draw more people in." Oh yeah, you're just like, sure. "Hey, yeah, we're going to go out and do this." They're like, "Man, that just sounds like work." I don't think it. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think a whole lot of sounds like you just want me to clear some land for you or something, you know? Well, it's like, a big difference than all right, guys. We're going to throw up a throw up an op, you know, a guard shack. It's a lot different than saying, "Hey, guys, we're going to build a guard shack and then we're going to blow it up." Yeah, then there's like, oh, oh I get to blow stuff up. Sign me up. They'd be like, "Of course." Yeah, <laughs> of course. I want to help you do that. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Um, yeah, that would yeah, that uh, would be cool. I need to dig into that FM a little because I, I am not a chemist either, but I feel like some of this stuff is. Oh yeah, I mean, easier I, than, I, I, than I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't look in, into it a little bit. And like, you can find a bunch of stuff online. Like, I'm not going to tell you tell anybody where to go, but like, if you like, if I've already got my name on the list just because I went to combat engineer school. They told us that at the day we graduated. It's like, yeah, congratulations, you're now on a blacklist. Anytime anything blow, once you get out, anytime anything blows up anywhere near you, you're automatically a suspect. I was like, okay, that's cool to know. Thanks, guys. But uh, Wonderful. Thanks for the disclaimer. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you, you go look for stuff, you're probably going to be put on a list, but, I mean, if you're not already on a list, like, what are you even doing with your life? Yeah, right? <laughs> Boring. Nerd. Um, but yeah, you know, there are some things you can try to look up and try to figure out on your own. Just if you're going to, I'm not, I'm, this is not legal advice. I'm not saying go out and do this. I'm just saying, if you're going to start off very, very small and be very, very careful. That's all I'm going to say.
Ah, nice. Yeah. All sorts of goodies over here. I need to, I, I mean, I wasn't lying with that post about my 2023 reading list. It's, it's getting longer. I just need to start reading books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so like, I started reading Fire the Brain and then, uh, we went into Christmas shutdown at work and had a bunch of other stuff going on. And I was like, uh, I, I got sidetracked with it. I got need, I need to pick it back up and finish it. But. Yeah, it's just so I've so I've got full time work and then the podcast, which is you know more than a half time job. And then yeah, we just got chickens. We're working on rabbits and the garden, and then I'm like, yeah. man, I still need to read Fry the Brain. I still need to read Where There's No Doctor, War of the Flea. I have so, it, <laughs> so yeah, many books. I've got to list. read all this stuff. Still have time with the family. Do all this. Yeah, I, I feel you. Yeah. like we've got we've got five chickens or five hens, one rooster. Uh, I just planted uh, my. My peppers, I'm doing a bunch of peppers this year for our cool. garden. So I got them started. And, yeah, we've got other stuff that we're going to plant in the garden, but we can't plant it yet because we have to wait till after that first freeze is over. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot going well, then, on. Oh, yeah, well, then I'm working on community stuff, and I'm just, like, trying to get all my, uh, all my neighbors into just basic radio stuff because, like, when the freeze happened, I was going over to my elderly neighbor's. You know, while there was like two or three sheets of ice on the ground. Yeah. Had one neighbor busted after he just got a shoulder surgery. Had one said neighbors who never got out of bed because it was too cold. So I had yeah, to check on them every wild. day. Like all sorts of stuff. I'm like, man, it'd be really nice if I could just call y'all. But of course, yeah. all the cell towers were down. I was like, that's nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, I've got two elderly neighbor, neighbors that I've actually I talked to. I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but like if we see them, like, you know, we'll stop and talk a little bit. Yeah. Uh, one set of neighbors I go to church with, and like, the rest of my neighbors, like, everybody wants to keep themselves. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, it also doesn't help any that I'm the type of person that I don't really put myself out there a whole lot. I'm yeah. something I'm trying to work on. I'm like, I need to try to talk to these people more because if something happens, this is, this is who I'm going to have, have around me to rely yeah. on and see, see if they need help, stuff like that, you know? That's yeah. stuff I'm working on myself, trying to change me. Oh, and, Disclaimer, I meant to say this at the very beginning, but uh, I am not the best combat engineer in the world. I knew a lot of people that were a lot better than me, and if they were doing an Instagram or anything like that of posting stuff like this, I probably never would have started it, but I didn't see anybody else doing it, so that's why I started it. I, if you may have been a combat engineer veteran if you're listening to this and think, oh man, this dude's talking crap. But if you don't think I'm, if you think I'm wrong, message me. Tell me where you think I'm wrong at. I'm open to criticism. But I just yeah. want to put that out there. I'm not the most high-speed, know-it-all guy. Don't take anything I say as gospel. This is just me speaking from my experience. Yeah, but I mean, but you're out here doing it. You know, I mean, yeah. like you said, you know, you didn't see anybody else putting out combat engineer stuff. Yeah. And you know, here you are, you're making it available, right? Yeah. Yep. You know, I'd be. I'm far away from the best former infantryman, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, uh, something that we you know strive to do was. To take our experience, take what we know, take what we can learn, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, cut away all the nonsense and just make it applicable for yeah. people, you know, because there's, there's so much that, you know, it all, it all ties together, you know? Yeah. So like the, the soldiering, the homesteading, the medical, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it homesteading is we need to be, we, we, we need to be able to do all of it. Yep. Homesteading you know? is huge. Cause like, yeah, if you got all the soldiering skills in the world, but you don't know how to grow your own food. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, you're going to go help this farmer out and provide security. Okay, he's going to be like, I've got my own gun. 
you know, I need help yeah. growing all this stuff. Like you've mm-hmm. got to be willing to put in that work. You may not know anything, but if, at least, if you're at least willing to, to do the hard labor, you can at least ingratiate yourself to somebody and not just expect yeah. everybody to bend over and kiss your boots because you've got nods and they're willing to go kill somebody. Well, and we literally just talked about this with Bush Plaid when we, you know, recorded with him last week. But if you're, if all you've got going for you is you've got a rifle and you're a fighting age male, I'd hate to tell you, man, you don't got a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there, there are so many of you, but you know, if you just pick out some little skills and, you know, like you said, just, you know, guys who don't have anything else going for them, going to trade school, mm-hmm. you know, because it is invaluable to know this kind of stuff. Like just the amount that you could do if you could just weld, mm-hmm. like you have oh, basic God. knowledge of just how to weld something. Like, oh my gosh, man, Dude. insanity! If if you can come up with some crazy obstacles, if you've got a welder handy, you know, like like the hedgehogs, the stuff that you you know see in Saving Private Ryan, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Private Ryan that are on the beaches, that stuff mm-hmm. the engineers uh, would build and put together. There's still hedgehogs. It's like literally just scrap iron. Somebody went and tack welded together. I mean, yeah. some of them are like factory made, but a lot of them is literally just something that, you know, like in Ukraine, they just had welders come up and just grabbing whatever scrap angle iron they could, welding it together and making something to keep tanks from coming down the streets. Crazy. That may be all you need. Yeah. Well, I mean, and think if that's, you know, if that's all you've got between, you know, and very real possibility now, you know, mm-hmm. we've had the first ground war in Europe in a generation. You know, so what if it's just you, a tack welder, and then the Russian, the literal Russian army, you know, who's going to be at your at your town in a, in a day? Yeah. You know, and, what can you do with that? Yeah, and if say you are like a couple of common engineers and you come across somebody that's a welder, maybe they haven't, they don't have any kind of minute or whatever, but they can weld. You get them to weld you up a couple of hedgehogs, spring them across the street. Preferably two rows deep, and you start running all your barbed wire, tying it into the hedgehogs. Now, not only are you stopping vehicles from coming, but you're stopping infantry from coming too. They're not going to be able to just climb over that stuff. And yeah. uh, one of the tenets of any obstacle, like you don't just put up a fence and then leave it alone and expect it to stop somebody. That's not going to stop anybody. It right. needs to have overwatch. You need to have somebody watching it. So if you're watching that obstacle and you see, oh, infantry's coming up, they're trying to cut through the wire. Well, guess what? Now you you light them up you know, and they're out there exposed, have no cover. Well, yeah. And you know, like we said, tying things together, right? So tying that idea, you know, with the idea of overwatch, I think it was, it was Reaper who, what was it called? Like two by three or something. So like two or three sniper teams, mm-hmm. you're working in tandem, you're the same, uh, air of operation, but, uh, different locations, obviously, you know, one sniper fires one or two shots. Then the other guy is he bounds or, you know, you mm-hmm. quickly goes to a secondary location and you can lock down, you know, say that's the main entrance to your town. You can lock that down yep. and not nobody is getting in there. Yep. You know, if you, you know, use, what do you call it? A um, hedgehog. hedgehog. And then you, yes. and hedgehog. Then you have the, you know, the, the yeah, chain wire, you know, chain, you know, chain wire, whatever in that you have two sniper teams and you make that a rat trap. I mean, yep. you're, you're tying down an entire platoon. Yeah. No and sweat. If, you know, if you, like this is getting in a little intricate, but say you know we talk about the uh, the mine signs, mm-hmm. but those out ahead of the hedgehog, so now they're slowed down looking for mines, and but then they get past the hedgehogs. So he put up mine signs again, but that's where you actually put your mines at. So now they think, oh, these are just fake, and now all of a sudden they're getting blown up. Yeah, like, make psyop like, into it. <laughs> yeah, you like you can 
you can really mess with some people. Like it, well, it just takes a little creativity. In, it's defense in depth, right? Yeah. So, yeah, really huge for sure. Yeah. Um, Do are there any other? Uh, I guess delay tactics you can use with trees besides what? What do you call it? Where you have the? Uh, I call the I, I, I called it an. A, a, I've heard it said abatus or an abatus. Um, Where they interlink together, facing the facing yes, the direction of travel, is, right? Yes. Um, or, or opposing the direction of travel. Yeah, rather. opposing the direction of travel. Um, with with the abatus, you actually want to. It's better to do it with explosives than with a chainsaw because you actually want to try to leave the trunks or the the tree attached to the stump a little bit, so that's even harder for it to move. You can't just push it out of the oh. way. So that's why you want, like. You, if you use a chainsaw, nine times out of ten, you're you're going to sever it from the trunk. Whereas if you use explosive, it's a little bit easier just to take out a tr- a, enough of a chunk for it to safely fall because you'll be out of the way. Right. Um, yeah, there's log cribs you can do. Uh, What's a log, log crib? A uh, log crib is you know, you cut down a bunch of trunks, trunks of trees and you'll put it into like a triangle shape like okay. this or whatever. And mm-hmm. you'll have one point facing the direction of travel. So uh, that's going to make that point the strongest point, and you'll have them interlock like you're building a log cabin, and just backfill the center of that with dirt. Oh, and, yes, and now you like I promise, like like this, because you're not just going to have them laid. You're also going to have uh, logs going vertically, and you'll have those tied together. So like that's just rude. And, and buried in, yeah, and buried <laughs> into the dirt. So like even with a dozer, you're not just going to plow through that. It's like you're going to need need explosives to to breach that. It's, or it's not going to completely be, disassemble it, which will take yeah, forever. Yeah, I mean, or I mean, possibly some incendiaries if you want. If you got time to wait for it to burn down, and then you can just drive over the dirt. But that's time you're waiting for it to burn down. Then, and depending on how tall you put the dirt, yes, or how tall you made the structure, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that that's a huge one. But that the problem with that is. Like you're, you've got to cut down the trees and lay the, and you got to have enough people to move the trees. Lot it's a very labor intensive of time. Yes, a lot of manpower, a lot of time. Um, if you got he, that can make moving it a little bit easier, but still, it, it it just takes time. Yeah, like that's that's one obstacle that we had shown to us in engineer school, but we didn't actually build because we only had three months. We didn't have enough time to build one. But we right. we were shown how one is properly put together. That's actually the uh, that and the abatis are the only obstacles I haven't actually physically made because there's just nowhere to do them. Yeah. And they are so labor intensive. Like there, right. there's no training areas that'll let you go out and blow up trees. Just lay die. We blew up one or two on a demo range, but like there's no where there's like, Hey, here's a road we can practice blocking with trees. And they're like, no, then you have to clear it out. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And yeah. No commander wants to sign off on that. Right. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you can also do uh, log hurdles. It's basically like just uh, cut down a tree, and you're just making like a speed bump, lay it across the roadway, and then take either stakes or t- or other smaller logs and uh, drive them into the ground, and then run barbed wire over the top of it and just tie it down, and you're just making a huge speed bump. I mean, tank really not be that big of a uh, obstacle for it, be uncomfortable for them, but like seven ton Humvee, it's probably going to stop it. Okay. So, and you can make it worse for them by digging a ditch in front of or behind the log, uh, the the log hurdle. And anti tank ditches are actually a very effective way to do it. And you can make those very quickly with uh, ammonium nitrate charges. 
ditching charge is what we use. But okay. uh, um, I think I had an Instagram post on that had some pictures of one of those. Let me look real quick. This isn't the ditch, but I just sent you a post that has a picture of an abatus in it, or abatus, okay. however you want to say it. Oh, that's gnarly. Yeah. Oh, you, never, you you'd never get through that. Yeah, it's like, and you can you can go through and strengthen that by tying the trees together with barbed wire. Once again, making it even harder to pull them apart. And if you want to, if you've got access to a couple of explosives, uh, plant some mines in there as booby traps for somebody trying to come through and clear it out to to make them even more uh, reluctant to clear it. Say they'll slow them down real quick. Yeah. And so what would What's your go-to field manual? FM5 Tech 34. Engineer field data. FM5 Tech 34. Mm-hmm. USMC engineer. Well, it, it's actually, we use a bunch of the Army stuff. It's actually an Army field manual, but we use it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I just sent you another one. Uh, the picture I sent is of the, uh, that should show up first, is of the... Uh, Anti-tank ditches, but if you scroll through, it also has pictures of the log crib, some log hurdles, and some other stuff. Yeah, I see the tires. Wow. Yeah. And there's that one that... uh, Steel Hedgehog. Yeah, Steel Hedgehog. Uh, Knife Rest is another good one. Um, Whereas, like, you can really... It's it's like a hedgehog, but, like, you make it out of wood, and it's it's more triangular... You have like a cross on this side, then a log going here, and another cross on this side, and just and wrap it all in barbed wire. And that's something that you can be like, say, an impromptu gate. Like you put that down over a uh, over a roadway where you're trying to make a checkpoint or something. And if you want to just be able to have somebody go over, pick it up, and move it out of the way or something, you can do that. It'll it'll still mess up a vehicle and do something that somebody has to get to move out of the way you know, as an obstacle, but it's something that you can still theoretically move with like a couple of guys manning the checkpoint. Cool. Yeah. You know, it made me, the uh, the crib actually reminded me of Hesco Barriers. Mm-hmm. The yeah, backfield. Uh, yeah, Hesco is amazing for survivability stuff. It's just, it, it does, last, it's been a while since I looked at the price of it. I remember it being expensive. I can't remember what, what it was, but I remember that it was kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Hesco is amazing. And especially if you have HE to fill it up, because filling up a Hesco barrier with a shovel sucks. I've done it. But if you've got an HE with like a small little bobcat to drive over there and dump it off, so much better. Yeah. I remember we set our our guard post on top of a few Hescos. We filled some Hescos and then we set a... a uh, shipping container mm-hmm. on top of them we fit that shipping container out into making uh and made it into a guard shack and yeah those things are are nonsense yeah and one thing that uh i can't, i want to say it was an instructor that mentioned this that it's, it's not something that you'll find in the book but uh say like you're setting out some obstacles like around a perimeter or something have some of them that are legit obstacles because you know uh the actual most meant to stop stuff. Then have some that are like fake. 
like say you'll have some Hescos that are like only halfway filled because like the enemy if you got a, just like a Hesco wall out there they're going to try to hide behind it. So if you got a couple out there that's not really doing a good job channelizing it, whatever, but you'll have them fake and make them think there's cover and only fill it halfway up, and now you can shoot through it and bait them. Oh. They're not expecting that, or you can even play some demolitions inside the Hesco and then fill it up the rest of the way, and then once you see them hiding behind that, blow that. So just, wow. just just some some nasty things that you can do. Yeah, I think outside the box defense, for sure. Yeah, as far as uh, defense stuff goes, which and like engineers aren't just for defense; they're also for you know you know like I said, we got to be able to go and all those all these nasty things that I'm talking about putting up for somebody else to have to deal with. Nine times percent, we're the ones that are going to have to deal with it. We're the ones that will be called up for it, and like for clearing a uh, a. Uh, Wire obstacle, Bangalore torpedo is your best friend for that. Mm-hmm. Um, we there is something that we'll do. Is, uh, I don't think it's in the FM five Tech thirty four, but I know it's been taught to me, and we've done it several times. We do a, we call it a field expedient Bangalore torpedo because the uh, engineer stakes, the the fence post things that we use, they're, they have a U shape to them, so they're concave. So okay. we'll take two of them, stuff both sides of it with C four, and then prime it tape that together and you can stick that in there and what actually blows up the obstacle will be the uh the u-post shattering and the shards will actually cut the wire and blow the uh, stakes out of the ground that's what actually does that's uh is actually doing your breaching is the uh the casing and the uh, shrapnel huh yeah cool yep um Bangalore torpedoes can also be used for clearing minefields. Like clearing a path, you'll just like push it through and you blow it. It's supposed to clear a path, I think, 15 meters wide and however long deep you have it. So like if you're clearing a path, like you know, instead of trying to go through and with a mine detector or with a a probe. That's another thing I meant to add in for uh, individual stuff is a non-ferrous probe that you can use for like probing for mines because if you have to, it sucks. I wouldn't want to do it. Like, but uh, if you have, if you're stuck in a minefield, and you're already in the middle of it. You got to lay down, and you can just take a, a, a preferably plastic, but maybe like aluminum or something, something that's not magnetic. Because some mines are set off by magnetism. It's a long probe that you can probe the ground in front of you. You want to. The way I was taught is you hold your hand out. Like this, uh, with your palm up, and you're holding it, so you're not pushing, so you're not grabbing and pushing a bunch of pressure down on it. You just hold it kind of loosely in your hand, and you're gently poking in the dirt at an angle. You don't want to come out at the top because you might hit the pressure plate and set it off in front of your face. You go in at the side, and you're trying to find the mine there, and then you'll mark it and try to go around it. Uh, but that wow. is something that every engineer should have on is some kind of probe. It sucks doing it. Would never advise doing it if, if at all possible, for you to backtrack and then try to just uh, throw explosives at it to clear a lane. Be the preferred way of doing it. But if you find yourself stuck in the middle of it, you didn't see the markings or something, then you got to get out somehow. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of uh, you're, you're crap out of luck, anyways. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you can like you know, worst case scenario, a uh, a knife will work, you know. But like I said, that's going to be a ferrous metal that's going to have iron in it. It's going to be reactive to magnetism, and if they put a mine in there that reacts to magnetism, then you're SOL. But yeah, wow. Yeah, that is one. Uh, I thought I had that written down in my notes. I guess I didn't save it or something. But yeah, that was one other thing. 
I'm going to talk about. So let me go back over and make sure I didn't skip anything else. Yeah, I was going to say, let me know what else you wanted to talk about, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I mentioned the FM 5-34. You yep. can buy copies of those off Amazon, and that would be something that I advise most engineers have in their pack. Or, yeah, or sure. have, have a hard copy of it somehow. Because there is, okay. like, we've already talked about so much about how broad this is. Like, uh, we actually, I don't know how the Army is, but I know in the Marine Corps, there are no warrant officers for combat engineers. There are none. Because warrant officers are supposed to be masters of that MOS. And what I was told, uh, somebody could come out and tell me, uh, say I'm wrong, but what I was told in the schoolhouse was our MOS is too broad for there to be a master of our MOS. So they, that, that's why we have no warrant officers. I've never seen a warrant officer combat engineer. I've seen warrant officers all kinds of other MOSs. I've even, when I worked on the range, I saw a gunner, which I know a lot of infantrymen are like, like, oh, you saw the, like, the, the warrant officer with the bursting, uh, as a warrant officer met, uh, insignia on one side and the bursting bomb on the other side. They're supposed to be like the master of like all the weapon systems and everything. They're usually ones in charge of ranges. I've, I saw that and I know a lot of infantry marines are like, they think they're ghosts and don't exist. But I'm like, well, I've seen them. They're real. But uh, I've never seen a warrant officer come in here. Never. Yeah, I'd buy. I'd buy that for sure. That's that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I guess that, it, it's a lot to cover. Um, yeah, and that, that's part of one of my reasons, or part of one of my hangups with uh, some of the posts I'm making. I was like, "There's so much I need to do. I don't know where to go next." Yeah, it's hard. And, you know, it's hard for us too because we're you know kind of trying to do the same thing. You know, I mean, we're talking about you, know, you could spend your whole life talking about soldiering or mm-hmm. medical or homesteading or anything. And it's just like, so trying to take this huge, huge skill set, this huge mission set and break it down to where people can at least know, have an inkling of an idea. It's like, yeah, they're not just out there lost. Don't know what to just do. have a working knowledge of all this stuff. And then the even, the even broader challenge of tying it all together for people and, you know, giving everyone the holistic picture that this all, you know, is mm-hmm. intertwined, all works together. It's not just separate, you know, things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's been that's been crazy too. Oh, uh, one of the show notes I think we kind of covered a little bit was like some skill sets. Math is a big one. Um, I hated okay. math in high school, and even throughout my whole eight years in the Marine Corps, I was terrible at doing math in my head. Until I got out, went to school, went, uh, we had to do it like for my industrial maintenance degree, had to do a bunch of electrical theory stuff to use math that like I'd never even touched in high school. And like, I always struggled with math because I didn't have a real world application for it. And right. that, that made it real and stuff finally started clicking and I can actually do math in my head now. And that like, I can tell you the common engineers that were really good at doing math in their head were way faster at doing stuff than I was. So if you have good math skills and you can do like just like some simple equations in your head, you're five steps ahead of the game. Okay. So especially ahead of most people because now everybody's got a calculator in the pocket and, you know, like they don't even know their time tables anymore, you know. So yeah. if you can do like some basic stuff in your head instead of having to whip out the phone or a calculator to figure out, hey, I need – this board at this length, this board at this length, that means this needs to be this total amount of uh, lumber that I need, you know, that that's a huge, huge plus. Cool. So, that, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to touch on. Math. Study in schools, kids. It is important. 
Learn math if you want to be a good combat engineer. Or if you want to be a good sniper. Sniper is just weaponized math. God, seriously, man. Like, <laughs> I, you know, and I'm, I've never had the chance to practice it, but I'm really, I'm really interested in, you know, just long range, just, oh, you know, ballistic, just theories. And, you know, there's a, there's a formula for taking into account the curvature of the earth. Mm-hmm. And what? <laughs> there's, I'm very, very lucky and blessed. There is a uh, rifle range down here that is literally, 15 minute drive from my house that uh, if without getting up into the tower you can go out to 880 uh, 80 yards Whew. you get up in the tower you can go out to 1100 yards goodness and the guy that runs it they also have a team they go and do long range stuff and like you go out there shooting if he ain't busy he'll come out there and you know he'll help spot for you help coach you up and stuff and I'm talking about like the team guys I've seen them out there practicing I've seen them hitting the, they're brightly painted but they're orange golf balls out at 700 yards dinging them i'm like are y'all freaking kidding me like monsters <laughs> i mean i mean they're i mean granted it's like five by 25 glass they're like night force scopes they got on there so it's not yeah. like they're doing it with iron sights but still hitting a target that small at 700 800 yards that's crazy skill, bro well i mean there's just so much so much nonsense that snipers can do the loophole mm-hmm. formula like I, I i know it makes sense there's a formula for it but it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense in my head how you can't even see the entire target, and you can, yeah, just the the math that's involved. So the height yeah. over bore, space to the <laughs> yeah, or, or space to the, the diameter of the hole, like just or just it, the math in like using a mil, uh, a mil dot scope to range something. I'm like, yeah. I like my primary arms ACSS to range stuff, <laughs> or, or or an ACOG or something like that to range yeah. it. Yeah, you trying to use a mil dot and figure out how far away something is. I'm like. You got to do what now? Well, and I so I had a buddy when I was when I was in. And he was prior Marine Corps sniper, and him and another buddy of mine who was a who was a sniper as well. Like they had their dope books already written out for everything for their for their ACOGs and uh, just all sorts of nonsense. And like something he was telling me that when he was a sniper, he wrote down in his dope book the the diameter. Uh, like the height and the width of the license plate for whatever area he was operating in, whatever country he was in, wow. their their legal license plates were because then he could sight in based off their license plate with the mill dot. And it's like, that's a pretty crazy application, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that is wild. Yeah. But like, you got the right math. You can do it. Yeah. And it's just math. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, the ACOGs were like cheating. Like I was, I joined early enough that I didn't get ACOGs in boot camp. We had still had to shoot with iron sights. My first rifle qual in the Marine Corps and in, in the fleet active duty was iron sights. But after that, every single one of them was ACOG. And then after we got those, it, it felt like cheating. Yeah, like, I can actually see the target at 500 yards now. It's not just like my whole front sight post isn't covering the whole thing up. Yeah, we went from iron sights to. Um to the, the aim point, the red dot, and then to the to ACOG. Yeah. And then ACOG, that's Kling's class I've ever looked out of. That thing is just monstrous. I love that thing. Couldn't break it to save my life. I mean, if, if, if it's strong enough to issue two Marines, it's pretty <laughs> I mean, There is a saying, you leave a Marine in a room with a ball bearing and leave him there for a couple of months, so you come back, it's either going to be lost, broken, or pregnant. <laughs> 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 
Well, is there anything else you want to talk about, man? Anything else well, you had, you had I, before we were down? Yeah, I, I think that's about it, man. I mean, maybe if we want to revisit one of these things later on and I can, like, have better preparation and dive off more. Oh, yeah, well, I want to... I'd love to have it to where, you know, I have Six and Nomad with me where we can actually, you know, dig into, you know, dig into one of these, you know, like, defense and depth or, you yeah. know, uh, air denial, the attack, anything. Uh, but yeah. we'll definitely get together with you again and, and dive into it because, you know, like you said, it's it's way too much to try to cram into into one episode. You're, you are know, you can't get lost in the weeds on anything because it's just, it's too broad. Yeah, it's like, so. it's, it's like there's all these trees that, that, and that's just one, one section of the forest. <laughs> like, I was going to say, it's, just, it's a forest, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's too much. But, you know, I really appreciate you you coming on and, and talking with me. You know, this is such a huge thing. I think it's, you know, we're just, we're just pulling back the current a little bit to show people just the just the layman, the everyday dude can can master some of these things, can get a handle on yeah, on these skill you sets. Even, you don't even have to, like, master it. Like, like I said, you know, you got the CBS that they master like If you can get good enough to get by, yes, then, uh, yes. as long as you get the job done, that's all. As long as you get and get it done safely, you know, uh, that's that's the biggest thing. As long as you yeah. get it done without getting anybody hurt, then that's good enough for most people. Like you don't have yeah. to be this master cabinet maker to build a shelter, you know, right. or, or to build a shelter that, that's going to that's going to keep fifteen guys out of the rain. You just need to be able to dig a hole and put and get this uh, put some wood in the dirt and get the wood semi straight. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfectly plumb, but get it enough to where it's going to do your job. It has to be able to work. Right. Yeah. 100% agree, man. Well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you. And, you know, this is not the this is not the only conversation. We're definitely have more, and we'll have to get the rest of the guys on here to to really dig into to some of these skill sets and get into the nitty-gritty on this stuff. Oh, yeah, man. Definitely, definitely. Where can people find you? Like, are um, you, So you're on Instagram. Are you on anything else? I am on Instagram. Uh, I actually started off everything on uh, TikTok, believe it or not. That's just okay. like, uh, print joke on TikTok. Um, I don't really post there a whole lot now. I do most of my stuff on Instagram, but anything that I do post on Instagram does also go on TikTok. The only reason I still post on TikTok is because I notice there's a lot of people that on there that apparently have been banned from Instagram or they just refuse to go to Instagram. And there, it is another way of reaching people. That's the only reason I still keep up with it. But also have way more followers over there. I don't know if they're just following for the memes that I used to post, or actually following for the content. But at least they're there. Hopefully they'll see it if I post it. But uh, those are my two things: TikTok and Instagram. Okay, what's your handle on Instagram? Uh, Critter C R I T T E R thirteen seventy one. Cool. Thanks for coming on, Critter. We are the hard time strongman, cheering up a bear class of man. Stay in the fight. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you. <laughs>